On today's episode of Chirp and DMV, we are joined by the one and only Chucky Slick. Biggest beauty there is. You may know him, you may not, but that's an interview you definitely don't want to miss. It's part one of a two-hour interview we did with him. Part two will be next week. We're also talking caps are back on ice as they hit the ice here at MedStar Capitals Iceplex in Arlington. Vegas is a hub city, NHL Fan Choice Awards, where the caps racked it up. Leipzig is on a new team, and we're joined by the Bobcat for ranking the best beers. So, Peter Patter, let's get at her. It's Chucky Slick. I had to do another song for all you gems out there bumping my music. Yeah. All right. All right. Check it out. I don't like basketball. I don't like soccer. I don't like baseball. I'm a hockey motherfucker. I'm a real man. But that shouldn't be a shocker, and that shouldn't be new to you. We always come in proper. Yeah. A bunch of glove droppers won't hesitate to fight you. If you don't play hockey, then I probably don't even like you. No. Back in high school, I was a motherfucking man. It's making lots and lots of trips to the dentist. I'm goofy. Yeah. Play hockey, lose tea. Yeah. Miracle by Nice is my favorite movie. Yeah. I'm groovy. Twitter bunnies looking juicy. Chucky Slick ran all across our boobies. Hot smoothly, uh. What it do, DMV, episode 62 of Chirpin' DMV. We've got a loaded episode here for you today. We've got some fun stuff to talk about. The Caps are back on the ice. We'll get to all that here in a minute. But first, let's say what's up to the boys. AB, let's start with you. What's going on? How was your weekend? Uh, pretty good. We were up in, I was up in Baltimore again. Uh, hung out with Johnny and the squad. Went to Nick's Fish House. It's like this little this outdoor bar. They got some pretty good food. Had some pretty good beers. Uh, and then Sunday... Um, one of my best friends from since pretty much forever, uh, Drew Lance and uh, his wife Danielle, Shout out. reveal, and they're getting a little baby girl come around, I think, September or October. I think is when she do. I don't know, late, yeah, because it was like pom poms or pucks. What's yeah. the name? Pom poms or pucks, and they're, they're getting pom poms, so it was, it was hype. Ooh, it was, it, nah, it was hype. Hey. <laughs> hey, she can still play hockey. Yeah, she can still play hockey. That's what we all said. We were like, hey, don't rule out hockey yet. She's like, nope. Screw the pom-pom. She's getting a puck. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, well, she's getting a stick either way. So let's see what happens. And there there he is, KP. What's up, baby? How was your weekend? Uh, It was good, man. I played some golf. Had some sweet Maryland crabs. So uh, some fresh out of the river. So good good old weekend, man. But Catch them yourself? Nah, my uncle did. He got them. So just got the joy of eating them, picking them. Yeah. Bars opened up here, like inside. Uh, I had, well, I haven't had one of the six a.m. staying up drinking nights since, since I, th- I, th- I think I've lived at the beach house. That kind of got out of control. There's like three of us went to the bar. Next thing you know, we just met like three random groups of people. Uh, we met these two telecom workers. One guy was from India, one was from Columbia. We're like, come on back to the house, let's party, man. We met this one group of chicks. Uh, come on back to the house, let's party, man. Next thing you know, it's six a.m. So Saturday I slept till about seven p.m. <laughs> Ooh. So rough day a little hungover complete waste of the weekend yeah yeah it was, it was saturday was tough like i said i haven't had one of those five or six a.m nights since beach house probably ab yeah i it's funny you say that i pretty much kind of did the same thing on saturday saturday night um i don't know why we just were up we were up drinking till like i was up till 4 a.m but i was like like i was sleeping in the living room and like every we had probably four or five uh, of the guys like just chilling in the living room mm. he's like hey i actually have to like do like semi-adult things tomorrow can you guys like shut the fuck up and they're <laughs> all just like 
fuck off, AB. And then they just, they just stayed up to like 6.30 in the morning. I woke up to one of them just like, all right, I'm headed home, guys. I was like, Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what happened last week. Thursday, phase two of the NHL. They put the ice back in and MedStar and holy nuts. Braden Holpe, John Carlson, Kuzi, Lars Eller, all on the ice. When the Caps posted that video of them skating around, snapping pucks around, I was hard as a rock. KP, let's start with you. I mean, oh, the Caps are back, baby. Yeah, it's fucking sweet that they get to get back on the ice. I mean, they're probably just fucking around, shooting some pucks, skating around. So, But it, it's cool to see. I mean, they, they look excited. So how, how do you think they feel? The wheel's a little heavy, huh? I mean, they've got to be feeling great, AB. I mean, what do you think? You take three months off. Like we said, it's like coming back from an offseason here, but I guess there's some of the core group that's here in D.C., so they're able to hop on the ice pretty quick. Yeah, they're probably just hyped to get onto the ice. I mean, like you said, Kyle, they're probably not really doing much. They're probably just playing like one-on-ones and two-on-ones. Yeah. Like two on getting the feel back. Super shit like that. Yeah, just getting their feet under them. But, um, I mean, yeah, it's I'm, – I'm excited that they're on the ice because that means we're – just one step closer to actually playing some games. But I'm not going to lie to you guys. Like, like it's, it's basically a stick and puck for them. Right. With only four people. Yeah. yeah. That's all you can do. I like, I love as much. As I love hockey. Stick and pucks were the most boring shit on earth for me. I was like, dude, I don't want to go to a stick and puck. I'd rather go to like an actual pickup game. Yeah. You know you're shooting I mean? pucks at the wall or. Yeah. I'm just I mean, like, half the time at a stick and puck, I would try to get the guys together and turn it into like a mini half ice pickup. And game. then you get in trouble for playing a game at the other half of ice. Yeah. Not a pickup. Like I remember. Yeah. Just every time. Like, cause I mean, so, some people would hit me up like, Hey, Oh, let's go to Bowie. Go to the stick and puck. I'm like, nah, I, I really don't want to do that. Honestly. I'd rather just play street hockey in my, in my like driveway. Yeah, that's just me. I don't know. I I might be in the minority for that. I I need to play a game. If I'm going, if I'm going to the, I gotta play a game. It's gotta gotta be competitive. Yeah, I gotta I gotta be playing and keeping score or something. I could just shoot on a net, any net, all day long. Yeah, but I see what they'd be saying. I'm not driving 45 minutes to Bowie to just fucking shoot pucks at the wall and have to deal with like. Well, if there's a goalie, I mean, if a goalie shows up, that's nice. And they have one in Holpe, so bang, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> so Ovi as well, he's he's been staying down, I guess, down in Miami at his beach house or near Miami. So he was on the ice as well. Uh, Dmitry Mikajev, yeah, posted videos of Ovi. There's just a bunch of Russians down there in Florida, I guess, just banging around on the ice. So it was Igor Shesterkin. I'm going to butch all of these. Rangers Tendi, Evgeny Dadinov from the Floridas, Jets defenseman Dmitry Kulikov, Avalanche defenseman Nikita Zadarov, uh, Darius Kasparaitis, retired fan, Finnish league at defenseman Vladimir Denisov. So he'll be down there skating with NHLer, so he's getting his reps in. He's fucking ready to bounce back and get buzzing. Yeah, it's just a whole bunch of Russians just chilling in Miami. Did you say? Is that where they are? Yeah, pretty much just out and around Miami. Jesus Christ, like that. <laughs> just imagine them walking around in fucking the city of Miami and like fucking Abercrombie and Fitch clothes and shit like that. They're war- <laughs> Russian warm-up suits. That's Miami, baby. Yeah, so Ovi's been down there around since April. So I, I got to imagine he's got to be heading back to soon. I think the thing is they're saying is they want guys to start coming back by June 21st. Ovi said that he'd be back by uh, June 24th, according to the IG Live he did. So because they got to remember, they got to once they fly back from Russia and Czech and wherever the hell everybody is, they got to do the two week quarantine before that July 10th date that Tarek mentioned. Well, I was just thinking like, you, are you 
you said that, but does OV have to do a two-week quarantine coming from Miami, like traveling inside the United States? Are they all right? Or? I think no matter what, I think everybody kind of does unless yeah. they test the players immediately. Uh, I did see some reports that I think one of the Bruins players got the, the Rona and then a couple staff members from Arizona did as well. So I got a, I got a question for you guys. Just all right, a, let's hear it. It's kind of random because I got hit with it myself. Um, so my friend... She's a huge Rangers fan. She's been to some of the uh, Calvert Cobras games. You probably met her. Uh, met her, Allie Schweitzer. I don't know if you remember. Shout her out name. Cobras. Yep. Shout yeah. out. Shout out. So she's a huge Rangers fan, right? She texted me the other day. She got in an argument with some random ass dude. Who, if you're a Rangers fan, who would you start coming up, Lundqvist or Lundqvist? I don't know. Lundqvist. You would start Lundqvist. Hundred percent. That. So that was my answer. My answer was, even though even though this is a Cavs po- podcast, I just thought the the scenario that they were in was like, I don't know. I, I thought it was pretty interesting. We could kind of discuss it. Had a hell of a season this year. I know he's a rookie, but like he's playing out of his mind. And I think he was like winning them a lot of games. I think that's why they were like turning it up towards the end of the season. There. Mm-hmm. Um, my answer was you start Lundqvist and have a very very short leash with him if he and if he's lets up like two quick ones out but for as loyal as Lundqvist has been I feel like you have to give him the start right yeah a hundred percent and if you look at it this way who would you who would you think is going to be better coming off the bench a guy like Lundqvist who never really comes off the bench or who has been coming off the bench this kind of last year or so in his career right and it's kind of the same thing that Tarek said about the caps I mean Lundqvist he's old He's a professional. He'll have that mindset. And he's he's getting up in age. He was probably he was probably getting tired out towards the middle of that season, which is why he's playing not as great. He gets a three month break. Could be playing a lot better. But again, I think you have to stick a short leash on him. You know how I am with goaltenders. Like you I think I think there are more and more goalies that we're seeing that are like becoming top notch like starting goalies. Uh-huh. And I think that, like, with, with more teams that are ha- having these two tender um, systems, basically, I think, you, I think you just need to use a short leash nowadays. I think – I mean, that one game we pulled Holpe after, like, the sixth goal. Like, what are we doing here? We were down, like, six to two. Like, <laughs> yeah. why, are we, why are we pulling that then? Like, why are you yeah. not pulling three? Well, that brings up kind of an interesting point. Uh, we'll get to it here in a bit because Todd Reardon had his press conference today. And what we'll do is I'll go through and read tweets from Tarek and Samantha Pell from the Washington Post. But one of the intriguing things was is Reardon said it's Holpe's job to lose. And looking at the replies to that tweet, a lot of Caps fans were kind of 50-50. Some weren't happy. Some were like, as it should be. But you don't know what the fuck to expect from anybody coming back from a three-month break, to be honest. Yeah, I don't – it's kind of ridiculous that people are questioning that. Um how is it not Holpe's job to lose? Like he's the starting goalie. Like so again, I think that I think that means exactly what I just said. Though I think Todd Reardon, that I think that means that he might have a short leash on him, which I'm perfectly okay with. Well, the beauty of it is, is we have some breathing room. You know, we have this three game round robin to figure out our seating. And like we asked Tarek, you think Samsonov is going to get a game? get them in there, get some playtime out of them. We have the ability to do that, whereas the Rangers are, it's like, it's fucking trial by fire because if you put one guy in to start the immediate series and 
he doesn't play that well and gets ripped, you go into the other goalie next game, you go into Hank next game. If you don't start him game one, are you switching to your backup? Are you, are you either not starting Hank and immediately going to him after a bad one game, or are you starting him and hoping he plays well? And then if he doesn't, do you have the, the balls to fucking pull Henrik Lundqvist out of the net for your backup goalie that he's still kind of unproven. He really came on the scene this season and then it plays into the three month break again. Uh, I'm choosing option two every time. I'm starting Hank every time. Yeah. Hoping he plays well because he, he probably will. I don't mean, I don't know. But, again, like, and then if he does get shelled a little bit, yeah, I think you do go back to that backup. Um, and same situation for the Caps, I think. Like, I mean, we kind of think we know what's where Holtby's headed after the season. Um, well, not where, but we we think he's headed out of town, to say the very least. Right. Um. So – it's not. It wouldn't be a bad. T- it wouldn't be the worst thing to see Samsonov. I mean, I, I guess it would be. That means that Holpe's getting shelled and we're losing games. But it's also like, all right, we're getting our guys some playoff experience. Yeah. So I mean, let's just kind of get right into it. Like I said, we'll read. I'll start with Samantha Pell's tweets. We'll start with that tweet in particular. Reardon press conference today, Monday. Our call with media, I should say. Capitals coach Reardon says the starting position will be Brayden Holpe's job to lose when the season resumes. Some of the replies. Some would argue that he should have already lost it. Shouldn't have been a question. Somebody said, considering Samsonov has simply outplayed Holpe this year. Um, let's see. Right move, the only move. Bruins hope it's not Holpe. Should be Samsonov was another tweet. Someone said, Holt is washed up and has been overrated for years. <laughs> so That is an incredibly awful take. So, thoughts on that, KP? Yeah, those are some really, there's some really bad takes in there. I mean, yeah. I mean, just going on, I don't even – do I need to repeat what AV said? Like you give the veteran goalie the start and then you go from there. That's no brainer day one. If Todd doesn't do that, fire him. He was playing well at the end of the season. Like right. we were like, he wasn't the worry anymore. Like going into when we were still losing games, but like I'm pretty sure all of us were in agreement there where we were just like, all right, we know Holpe's here to play. Like he's playing fine. It's just the team in front of them sucks dicks right now. Yeah, we were way more worried about the defense. Yeah, it, yeah. we're team defense too, not just the back six. But That's the biggest thing. Yeah. Uh, Samantha Pell also reports that Todd Reardon says Caps goalie coach Scott Murray and assistant Blaine Forsythe will be on the ice with players starting on June 18th. So I guess June 18th is the first day that coaches are permitted on the ice with these players. Is it still limited practice or limited people on the I, ice? I feel like it's going to be until July 10th. Okay. Um, I, was, I was like, hopefully they're working on that power play, but probably not. Yeah. Uh, Reardon, this is via Tarek. Reardon says he's spoken to a veteran quite often during the stoppage. Says the Caps captain is a good place, both mentally and physically. Um, and that kind of seems to be it. I mean, Tarek only had three or four tweets. Uh, Samantha Pell only had three or four tweets. So I guess it wasn't that lengthy of a call with reporters but then again what's there to kind of really talk about there's not going to be nothing new for a while i don't think like you said probably not till july 10th they're going to keep having these limited practices maybe they're just going to work on their own personal games i think until then until they can get more into a team atmosphere what i just think what a bunch of fucking idiots i think that hope he should not be starting right like about that too it's just so, so stupid like He's, we we we'll, we'll slander Holtby as much as we want in this pod, but I will never say like, all right, we're going to the playoffs. Well, outside of 2018, but like in this situation, like we're starting them. Yeah. Are you shitting me? Yeah. The, like this is it's especially after a three month break. Like you just have no idea what's going to happen. He is the starter. He's like top five goalie in the fucking NHL. 
Right. A normal playoff like 2018, you're gonna ride you just ride the hot hand. It's like them it's like those dumbass Bruins fans that think Tuka Rass sucks. It's almost the <laughs> same exact thing there. Like everyone's like Tuka Rass sucks and we need to get rid of him. It's all halak. It's like, are you fucking high? Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> People are way too hard on goalies, man. That's what yeah. it is. That's why I asked that's why I asked Copper the other day. I was like or a couple weeks ago, I was like, Do you like that pressure? And he's like, Yeah, I wanna play all the time. I was like, That shit sounds like it sucks, dude. <laughs> <laughs> that's that shit sounds terrible yeah <laughs> but i mean yeah that, i think that's our only reasonable thing like i said i mean all right so say we do put samson off and kyle quick answer would you want him to play game one two or three three okay ab i don't know i i'd rather him i i want to go back and look at his stats see who did well against what team i get yeah i guess that's valid I guess it's valid. Uh, uh, Holpe, Sammy did, played against Philly, didn't he? I was I was just about to ask that. Did did Holpe get shelled by Philly or did Sam Sammy? I think oh. Holpe might have. Because uh, I can't I can't even remember. Whoever, but that's my answer. I mean, if we had a producer, that'd be awesome right now. But <laughs> um, I so think you, Carter, you'd rather you'd rather let it be a matchup to where I was yeah. going with. I want Holpe to play two in a row. Give Holpe a break that third game. Let him get ready for game one of the next round. Correct. I would rather play. I would rather play the matchups. So who do you want? Who do you want to play? Who like who do you want Sammy to play? Which two do you want? That's what I was. I was Holpe versus I mean, Boston. Maybe yeah. Holpe versus Boston and Tampa. Sammy versus Philly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't. Again, I don't know who played Holpe versus Boston. Definitely, that is correct. Mm-hmm. Um. I can't remember who played against Tampa and who played against Philly. So, um, if I had the stats right in front of me, I would have, I'd have that in. Pick it up and see. I don't. So, <laughs> let's get to that, – That sounds correct, though. I think that sounds pretty good, Sammy versus Phil. Because uh, we played him twice in the last, like, five games that we had left of that season, and I'm pretty sure Samson played one of them. Maybe even the one in Philly, if I'm correct, because yeah. it was a back-to-back against the Rangers, right? Or was it home versus yeah. Philly, then off to New York? So – I think Sammy played versus Philly. You could be correct there, yes. Unless he – no, Sammy played in that Ranger game. I'm pretty Did sure he, he did. Oh, Yeah. I don't know then. Yeah. <laughs> Regardless, hope he yeah. got fucking throttled by Philly the last two of the last the last two games of the season. Actually, kind of all season. But it is what it is. Yep. Caps per Elliot Friedman of the Sportsnet. Caps will add Connor McMichael to their pro season roster if permitted, but that – comes in a thing here so in his article he says over the last week or so the nhl has asked its teams to submit the names of the ahlers and prospects that could be added to the rosters for phase three which is training camp and phase four which is games we talked to Tarek; he mentioned a couple names caps will add defenseman martin fay harvey and if we are permitted 2019 first rounder connor mcmichael although that would be for development not play that's just what the report says i don't know how the rules and all this crazy shit happen with phase three and letting certain players in, but he's a guy we we've talked about it before, so we can just kind of hit it quickly, but he's a guy I'd like to see on the ice at some point. Granted, it would only be because somebody's not playing well, but yeah. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I'd love to see him on the ice, honestly, because like you said, that means someone's playing bad and it's, or someone's hurt. Um, and I just don't, I'm not sure if he, dude, Putting him right into playoff hockey immediately, that could be dangerous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, sometimes you need those guys to make it all the way to the Stanley Cup. Let's jump back to 2018. My guy, Nathan Walker, stepped in, 
round two, had a big play. I mean, that's something Connor McMichael, I think, can do. He's fast. He's smart with the puck. If he got the chance to get in the game, like, granted, you're saying you don't want to see him, but if he does, I think he's a guy that can make a play. But that's a little different. Like, Nathan Walker was how old? Like, 24, 25? I mean, you're putting an 18-year-old kid out there who probably doesn't have much. didn't have enough experience in either of them. I'm not, I, but I'm not I'm talking about the. I'm talking about the age, man. Like, yeah. like Nathan Walker is, has is not. He's probably fully developed at that point. He's twenty. He's twenty four, twenty five years old. He's got. He's been working out for in the NHL for a while. In AHL slash NHL for a while. I mean, Conor McMichael's playing juniors right now. Yeah, <laughs> playing against eighteen and seventeen year olds. Like, and and he's going, and then he has to go up against Steven Stamkos. Like that, I just, Posternak. yeah, David Pasternak. I mean, he's Philadelphia. He's, yeah. Yeah. Anyone on Philly. I mean, I don't, it scares me a little bit. That's, that's all I'm saying. I, I think it's a much different scenario than comparing it to Nathan Walker, considering Nathan Walker's six years older than him at the, at the time of his, at first. the time. Yeah. And he did have some a- AHL experience by then. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess we'll, guess we'll see that's all that's all i really gotta say about conor mcmichael it'd be nice for development wise it'd be interesting to see if he cracked the lineup i don't think he is per these rules but yeah get him up there training with the guys and see what a postseason capitals team is like uh, in terms of preparation and skill and learn from guys like Ovi and shit like that Mm -hmm. so let's do let's do a little something different let's do let's do a snake draft of some beers we got the bobcat joining us so let's do that before we get to the chucky interview All right, guys, last thing here before we kick it over to the Chucky Slick Part 1 interview. There's been a picture circulating the internet this weekend, the best beers to have, best beers after work, lake house beers, you name it, etc. It's caused a lot of debate. So we're back with the snake draft. We've got our guy, the Bobcat here, Bobby Solari. Not his actual interview. We still got to get that on the pod. But, Bob, first of all, what's up, man? How much, boys? I'm glad to get back on. I know we had the, uh, the test run back in the lab, but it's good to be back with the boys here. Trial and error around like episode three. So let's do this. Everybody's got the pitcher up. I think everybody's got a beer in hand too. So we'll do this. How do we want to go? First, second, and third. Who wants first? Let's give it to Bob. He's the guest. There you go. We'll give Bobcat first, KP second. AB, you want third or fourth? Don't matter to me, brother. I'll take third. You take fourth, so you get the double loop. So Bobcat, let's start with you, man. The best beer. I'm going to go with the obvious choice here. Um, it's got to be locker room beer, especially at this stage in the game, being uh, in our middle to later 20s. If you're uh, in the locker room, you're typically going to be meeting back up with the boys, uh, guys you used to skate with or anything. So that that post-game uh, adult league beer, you either just got shelled or won, but always good to be back out on the ice with, with the guys you grew up playing with and having a beer. I agree with that. I mean, Cobras, was we never had enough beer left over for locker room beers afterwards because we'd get so shit-canned before games. whoops whoops kp what you got uh i'm gonna go with the friday after work beer nothing's better than getting off on friday and just ripping into one getting the weekend started friday after work beer i like that a lot all right my first one i'm going to go i'm gonna go airport beer first there's nothing like a good six six ten a.m beer you're going to vacation i mean you're probably flying somewhere tropical uh hawaii or something so you're you get to the airport you've been up since 3 a.m and you're just ready to start fucking tossing it back and it's 6 a.m you get a little buzz before the flight and you're good 
maybe you're flying to Hawaii, but I'm typically flying to a little more coastal region. You know, maybe get crazy, go down to Myrtle Beach. If you're going to Myrtle Beach and you're still getting boozed up. I can love Myrtle Beach. All right, AB. All right, so I guess this semi falls under that category, but not really. I'm okay. doing the first road beer on your way to wherever, like, your destination. So if you're – sometimes it's a road trip. Sometimes it's, like, just, like, an hour-long drive, but it's going to be a fun-ass weekend, like, to the Bay House. Like, that first beer, like, in the car on the way there, it's like, oh, shit, the weekend's here. Let's get her going, boys. As long as you're not the driver. Yeah, as long as you're not the driver. <laughs> we do not support drinking I like that, though. I like that, though. Yeah, like, like when we go to Ocean City for the weekend and you just get couple yeah. to drive and the four of us are in the backseat just fucking a 30-pack exactly. deep by the time we hit the bridge. Yep, or on the way up to Philly. I mean, any, pretty much anywhere. When you're, like, just ready to go for the fucking weekend and you're just, in, you're just on the way there and you're like, dude, you text whoever's already there, you text them like, yo, we're on the way. Already started cracking beers. I, I like it. Well, what's your second? All right, so my second one, it's got to be tailgate beer. Ah, uh, fucker. Yeah, tail, tailgate beers are – dude, they're, they're just so dope. Like, t- like, football game tailgates, awesome. College football game, awesome. Country concerts, awesome. I mean, just tailgating in general is just – it's such a great atmosphere, and I don't think I've ever seen someone, like, pissed off at a tailgate. I tell you what, we, a couple of boys this last summer when concerts were still a thing, uh, took a party bus to see Jimmy Eat World and Third Eye Blind, and it was oh, a million legend. and a half degrees out. But that uh, tailgate beer, and then that was a tailgate beer and a roadie beer, AB. So that was All a touch true. two there. Yep. Bang. Unreal. That was going to be mine because I was going to say cracking a beer in beautiful Morgantown, West Virginia, like 7 a.m., ready to play fucking Oklahoma or Texas or something that just gets me going. So I guess I'll compromise here. I'm going to go with this one, Lake House Beer. Let's go Lake House Beer. I didn't think anyone was going to go Lake House. I'm going Lake House Beer. AB's AB's Lake House in New Hampshire. We go to it. When we get there, and we usually like drive through the night, we get there. It doesn't matter what time. We get there like 4 a.m., drink a beer, wake up, drink a beer, just on the kayaks and shit like that. So that's mine. I had that on there also, Bill. That was – I thought being in the land of 10,000 lakes for so long, I would have had the leg up. That was going to be my safe pick, but good good snag. KP? I'm going to go with golf course beer. I, I could have known that Nothing's was better yeah. the, than a golf course beer. Maybe you're playing a little shitty. It's like a steroid out there. Just chug one down real quick, and you're, you're hitting a lot farther than you just were. What's your usual over-under beers on the course? Depends on how many holes I play. Beer <laughs> hole or? Either 19 or 9. <laughs> 18, buddy. 18 or 9. Well, Unless you I've, count the 19th holes, the bar. Yeah. Hey, there you go. Bingo. All right, Bobby, you got two. So I think uh, I don't know. I know. Well, let's see. AB got himself a nice little little property that he's going to start taking care of out there. By the looks of it, post yard work beer. Yeah, I'm going post yard work beer. Especially, I mean, recency bias. I had golf course that's gone. Uh, yard work beer after you're mowing, weed whacking, whatever. Especially in the summer, that you could have a bush light or a nice craft beer, and it tastes like a million bucks. Post yard work beer. I agree with that when it's – especially now it's July and you've been fucking – you're sweating just from sitting on a mower. Oh, sitting. I'm talking about, you know, working for it. Yeah, sitting on the mower. You got to work to cut the whole yard. 
Yeah, that's true. If I'm sitting on the mower, I'm drinking on the mower. <laughs> oh, shit. All right, Bob, second one. Our third one, technically. Second one, I think I'm going to go uh, sort of A-B here and go a little off script. Um, but day of wedding beer, like if you're in the wedding party. Oh, yeah. That's a great one. Yeah, being in the wedding party and getting a little loose beforehand, calming the nerves, especially if you uh, – I'm sure everyone's been a part of a wedding at this point where, oh, the, the pastor said if they smell alcohol, they're not calling – they're not going to do the wedding. And just we'll call see. Them that bluff right away. Yeah. yeah. We'll see about that. Shout out to my buddy Cool Rob's wedding where we had like 10 tequila sunrises each and just stumbling up there at the fucking <laughs> altar or whatever. Uh, KP, your third. Well, I see on this list you sent us here, it says first beer after the beach, but I'm going to change it up and go with first beer on the beach. You're on vacation, that first beer on the beach, it's hot, nice cold beer. There's nothing like relaxing in like Merle Beach, Merle's Inlet with a beer in your hand. You got Red your Yeti cup. Got your Yeti cup, stays nice and cold all day, and you're just tossing Bud Light Limes in there. Is that uh, a free ad, Billman? No, it's not. No free ads to no anybody ads. except for Kenny. But <laughs> my third pick. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. There's some good ones left. Concert beer is good. Vacation beer is good. Cocktail hour beer is good. Moving beer is good. Ah. I want to go with barbecue beer, but especially if you're the one manning the grill. So if you're out there by the Traeger or the, the Coleman all day and you're just sitting there, just you got fucking 30 people over having a little backyard barbecue. There's some cornhole going on. There's some yard games and you're the guy manning the grill and you're just sitting there with beers all day. And usually when you're that guy, people are bringing you beers so you don't have to leave the grill. I'm going to go with that one. That was going to be my one point there is if you're manning the grill, they better be bringing them to you. They're bringing them. Uh, AB, your last two. All right. All right. Airport beer was that was on my list. Um, I guess did anyone say are are we declaring vacation beer as like the first beer that when you get to said destination? I I think any beer on vacation. There's no rules on vacation. But it's all right, well, mine is that first beer when you get to vacation, like to the especially if you're part of like the first part, the first part of people that get there. Yes. Oh, yeah, and you're setting up the house, yeah. unpacking. I think vacation, like, there's different be- – each beer feels different. Exactly. first of each each thing you do. Right. So, I'm, I'm saying, like, you get to whatever destination you're going to. Uh, say you have a vacation in Florida, that first beer in Florida, it's, you're good to go. Then that's again, It's another one of those beers that's just like, dude, we're here. We made it. Let's get her going. And I just like the let's get her going beers, which they kind of all are sometimes, but – yeah, that's pretty much why we're drinking the yeah. beers. Uh, and then, your last one. My last one is the next beer. Oh, the next the beer after your last beer. The next beer. The what's, next beer. What's what's the best beer? It's the next beer, baby. The best beer is always the next beer. So bang, AB with a roadie beer. The next beer, vacation beer, and tailgate beer. My last one here is going to be. I just had it in my head because I was trying to go off the script a little bit too. Um but I forgot it because I'm an asshole. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, I mean, I mean, I have been doing this trend lately because I'm working from home. So I've been like working out a lot more. AK just like running a mile down the street. And every time I do it, I come back and crack a beer. Just doing a little beers after like our guy PFT recurring guest shout out. That's a good one. Um, 
I'm going to say bleacher or ballpark beer. That's going to be my last one because since AB took tailgate from me, there's nothing like sitting in Capital One Arena just getting a fucking tall boy for 20 bucks and sucking it down or sitting in a Nats game on a nice July day, sucking some beers down, uh, West Virginia games, you name it. So those are my four. I got ballpark beer, barbecue beer, airport beer, and lake house beer. So KP, your last one. Shower beer. Shower beer? The good old shower beer, man. It can be done on vacation. It can be done at your house. It can be done at your buddy's house. Anywhere shower beer can go down, and they're the greatest. That is a classic. There it is. So, KP, shower beer, first beer on the beach, Friday after work beers and golf course beers. That leaves Bob with the last one here. I was going to go shower beer, so that's a good one, KP. I mean, things either went really well, really wrong, or you just really need one, so I'm all about the shower beer. Yep. Um, Love that. my last beer, oh, man, 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 man. I think I'm going to go with, uh, man, I'm stumped here. You guys got me good. I even made a list and everything. Um, dude, I don't know how anybody would have picked Solo Cup House Party Beer. Uh, yeah. I that's think, terrible. That's awesome. They're, they're shitting it. I think I'm going to go with moving beer especially if uh, you're not the one moving. Like, you know, you're the good friend or you're the guy with the pickup truck. Like, yeah, you got to not help them. Yeah, you get the free beer. And typically rewarded in beer, yeah. So sweat equity, getting some beer out of it. Um, probably the only good part of helping someone move. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree very with that. Not, not a bad, very underrated, honestly. Yeah, I mean, it was a tough one. A lot of the good ones were off the board, but, I mean, high school Snake beer. Drafts, man. High school is just kind of whatever. I'm yeah. not drinking it to taste it. I'm just drinking it to no. black out. I didn't drink in high school. <laughs> I, don't, I don't go to any destination weddings, so that one was was off the list. Yeah. Concert beers are good. That's a good honorable mention. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, the ballpark beer, though, I mean, that's a great one. If you're, I'm not going to a sporting event and not drinking. Yeah, that's Obviously. true. Obviously. Uh, Nightcap I mean, beer. Once, once sports are a real thing again, the Bay Sox do uh, some sort of tailgate where it's like pennies on the dollar to drink a whole bunch of beer and watch some bad baseball. Minor league oh, hockey, just stacking cups. Yeah. Nightcap beer, I don't really think of beers. If I want a nightcap, I'll drink like a glass of whiskey usually. Yeah, it's not oh, the those, last thing I'm having. Um, Bobby just mentioned those discounted beers that are like – like some of those bars have those like flip a – like – where you flip a coin, you got to call heads or tails, and yep. if you get it right, they're like free or something. Or they're like, yeah, yeah. Well, duh, duh, that's the best beer. We all missed it. The best oh, beer any, is the any free beer. Free beer, yeah. oh, free beer is the best beer. beer. Damn yes. it. Cold Damn it. Beer. Let's say recording chirping beers are usually good because sometimes we'll get like back when we were recording together at KP's house and we would just get hand boned in the fucking garage and just <laughs> record an episode on a Saturday afternoon. The only uh, episode I was a part of we first, drank. first time, we drank heavily. We recorded it at a brewery. <laughs> Those were free beers also. Yeah, yeah. All right, so solid picks. we got some good honorable mentions. But, yeah, a little snake draft here. The Bobcat, we appreciate you joining us, man. Like we said, we got to get you back on for story time now that we're up and running and actually know how to fucking do this thing. Yeah, absolutely. Glad to see you guys are killing it. I feel like every other guest I have a story about or knew him or this guy to that guy. It's just hockey. Hockey world's pretty small. Hockey Road is weirdly pretty small. So with that being said, let's kick it over to our guy, Chucky Slick. All right, guys. We now welcome on. Don't really know how to explain it, so we'll just go with the most probably interesting fucking hockey player in the world. Chucky Slick, man. What's going on? What's up, boys? How you doing? Good. Good to have you on, man. Crazy, crazy, crazy story. We've been following you for a while. 
Uh, we know a lot of the same guys, played with a lot of the same guys, so we'll get into all of that. But uh, how you how you holding up? How you doing? Because you're in Spain right now, yeah? Yep, out here in Spain, just kind of just chilling it, you know. Just got out of quarantine a little bit, a little taste of freedom. Freedom never tasted so so sweet, to be honest. I heard that. Yeah, you were just saying you can go get beers with the boys, but you can't hang out on the beach with your surfboards next to you. So I guess they got a little bit different rules over there. Yeah, we we pretty much been locked inside for like two fucking months. You could only leave once a day to go to the grocery store. And just finally this past week, we're allowed to like go out and exercise and stuff. But we can't like exercise with friends or do sports. I've been following you on Instagram. You, uh, you're trying to like walk your uh, fake dog out and shit like that. Uh, yeah, I was desperate to get out of the house at one point, and they like said, if you're not getting groceries, you can't leave your house. Period. But if you have a dog, you can walk it. But I didn't have a fucking dog, so I had to come up with a you know a solution. So I made a dog on a like a rolled up <laughs> rug on a skateboard. <laughs> do what you gotta do. Yep. So let's get into some hockey. I mean, let's go. Let's, let's get your story told. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people have been following you for a long time, like we have. And I think end goal here is get you on spitting chicklets, man. So as much shit as we can get out to get their attention, uh, the best we can do. Let's do that. So we were talking a little bit beforehand. Let's start from the beginning. I believe you said you, I mean, started in San Diego, but your dad got a job in DC. You came to DC, kind of just roller skated and played some street hockey right up above Mexico, and then take us through up until you got to DC. Uh, yeah, I just kind of grew up playing in the streets with my brothers in San Diego, like little concrete slab, no boards, no nets, just like little fence pieces for nets and just like OG, like Mighty Duck shit. And then there was like some little house league on like a tennis court kind of thing we played on for like a couple of seasons. And then one day my dad was just like, all right, boys, we're moving to Virginia. And we were saying, what the fuck is that? <laughs> you know like being like from san diego that's like the other side of the world you know we don't as kids at 10 years old you you know you maybe heard of new york or something over there you never heard of virginia yeah. so we like went out there and just kind of joined you know local hockey leagues because we liked hockey but it wasn't the hockey that we knew it was like ice hockey so we joined the ashburn extreme and through that we started like finding a lot of good players in the extreme that were like, yo, let's start a roller hockey club. So like my father and a couple of the other fathers from the Ashburn extreme uh, formed the mad dogs. And we had like teams and all the age groups and stuff. So I was playing for the extreme and the mad dogs out there in Virginia. Yeah. Extreme's still like one of the best fucking ice programs in the country. And then mad dogs were the shit back in the day. Oh, yeah, yeah. First of all, I've heard uh, nothing but really good things about the extreme organization. Apparently, they've kept it very solid through all these years. I mean, when I was there, we were the shit. Like, we won CBHL, like, every year. Uh, We went to Southeast Districts one year. One year in 2007, we went to Southeast Districts, and we fucking won against, like, Atlanta Fire or something. And we were going to Nationals in Buffalo. And that was like a big deal for like a, a double A ice club from Virginia to win southern southeastern districts and be going to Natties. And all of our parents supposedly had like round trip tickets booked home from Buffalo, like after round robin play, because they're like not a fucking chance these right. guys are going to playoffs at Nat at Natties. And we pulled up to Natties. We we all shaved our heads skinhead. 
uh, like the pra- the last practice before we flew to Natty's, we wanted to do team haircuts. I don't know why we went with skinhead. Yeah. But we were, the Virginia, we were the Virginia team, and we were all like – Right. We were heavy into plaid jackets at this time. I'm not sure why. <laughs> it was the style. Bunch of Virginia boys in plaid jackets and Timberlands, skinhead cuts, pull up to Buffalo like we're here. And everyone's like, who the fuck are these guys? And, yeah, that was just a great tourney. We ended up going all the way to semifinals, and we lost to the California Stars in the semis who ended up winning it all that year. But, uh, yeah, really good signs with the extreme. And some of my best buddies from those times as well. And then, obviously, the Mad Dogs, like, is pretty much the extreme guys on rollerblades. Yeah. So we were, pretty, we were pretty sick. You guys did like a Mad Dog reunion tournament just a couple months ago or like last summer. Yeah, just like we Gross did. And we did like bon, a, Bono and all them. Yeah, Grossy, Banal, uh, one of the Claire Copper boys. Uh, I don't remember. There was a bunch of fools there. But yeah, it was cool to see all the boys after so long, like 10 years had been. Yeah, I think you guys won that shit from what I what I saw. But uh, so yeah, after that, yeah, when did you go? When did you go? division. Yeah, yeah, you you win, you win. Fuck it, who cares? So yeah, when did you, right, when'd you go right. back to San Diego from Virginia? When? Yeah, like how long were you in D.C. until you went back uh, to uh, like San Diego to live out there? And just... So, yeah, we arrived in Nova, Northern Virginia, like 2000 and... 1000? 2000, yeah. 1000 and zero? Two, yeah, 2000 and 1000. We arrived in 2000 um, I think, yeah. Because I remember we were, there for, we were there for the whole, you know, like Pentagon 9-11 thing. So... Yeah, yeah, it's around 2000, I think. And then we left 2008, the summer of 2008. So I was there eight years, which was like, yeah, pretty pivotal years because it was like 10 through, or maybe nine through 17, which is like a lot of changing years, being a kid and then like puberty and then like teenager and high school. So like a lot of like important life moments for me happened in Virginia, like my first real friendships and all that. So I, I really cherish Virginia a lot. And then, yeah, when I was like 17, uh, my dad lost his job and we moved back to San Diego. There it is. Before we get back into San Diego, did you get to play uh, Virginia high school hockey or did you not? Oh, yeah, man. We started a culture out there. (laughs) Um, I was going to Briarwoods High School. Okay. And we had just started. It was a brand new high school. You know, I just happened to live in that area. And... um, the hockey team had just started and I was like a freshman and, you know, it's like Northern Virginia high school hockey. It's not relatively like known or right. it doesn't have, it doesn't have a reputation for being like the sickest hockey in the world. Right. Um, but it's, it's all right. At least it was when I was there. But if like, if you're, if you're a travel hockey player in Northern Virginia, like if any kind of travel hockey, whether it's double a or single a, in the high school league, you're going to be, like, somewhat of a star player, I guess. Yep. And Briar Woods at that time, I think we had, like, seven players that played for Extreme for, like, 90s, 91s, 92s, 93s. And so did Broad Run and Stonebridge and all those teams. And I remember, like, no one came to the games. And then, like, one day there was, like, ten football players there. And they saw us, like, just rocking fools, like, <laughs> dropping mitts, laying hits, scored, like, 13 goals. And they started, like, telling people at the school, like, yo, hockey's lit. <laughs> and then, like, the next game, like, I felt like 50 or 100 people were there. And we were like, what the fuck? And because the people were there, we decided to, like, go really hard for them. And we put on a fat show, like, made some of the dirtiest hits ever. 
kind of feel bad about it, but it is what it is. I mean, we were definitely like drinking in the parking lot before the games. I remember, I remember putting on my skate guards before every game, like in all my equipment and running out the back Zamboni door, sitting in the backseat of cars to smoke blunts and swig 40s before I'd go out for warmies. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like, high school hockey and then you go for fucking yeah. four and just five. And- school, you know, just some high school Virginia shit. Like that was just so Virginia. Like we do that and we would just go out there and just like have the best time ever and the fans loved it and pretty soon like the whole school would show up to the games and whenever it was like B Woods versus Broad Run, like their whole school would show up and there'd be fat fights in the stands and I remember the fights would carry out to the parking lots and the one time the fights carried out everyone the police came to Ashburn Ice House so everyone drove to the McDonald's Taco Bell parking lot in Broadlands. And, like, both – the whole schools were there, man. There was, like, 500 heads in that parking lot ready to throw down over a fucking hockey game. I <laughs> uh, love it. Yeah, that's that, that, that's kind of how it is. I mean, still, you got – like, a lot of the schools will, like, get in brawls around here and for, like, high school hockey and shit. They get, like, hell yeah, still like now, and it's fucking nuts, man. It's a lot bigger than it was. Like, pretty big now. But, uh, yeah, you, you can still get in some brawls with certain schools up here. Well, like, one of the prep just, schools. Yeah, it's but, mainly just the private schools, yeah. I was going to say, it's not – not much of the public schools are doing that. But, yeah, the private schools are – they're starting to pack house a little bit. Oh, that's cool. That's cool to see the game grow a bit out there. Yeah, yeah it's, it's pretty nuts. So you go back to California. Was it straight? Uh, was it right back in the ice hockey, or did you get right back in the roller hockey with that, or just kind of play both? I, I didn't do anything. Um, well, actually, I went to New Hampshire first for prep school. Okay. Um, yeah. So oh, I, that was I like K- Kimball or something? Kimball like Union. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so like a year before my dad lost his job that year at nationals in Buffalo, I had spoken to some scouts after the tourney. I had like a pretty good tourney. And then one thing led to another. And next thing I know, I was going to, it's the first time leaving home to go play hockey. And I went to New Hampshire to play in the whole prep school league, played against like Chris Kreider and some of those fools. Um, and I was there. I did my. I repeated my sophomore year because that's what you do in prep school. You're supposed to like repeat mm. a year. So I repeated my sophomore year, and that was cool. And then the next year, I came back, and then like two months into the school year, I got expelled. And that school year, that summer, so going into my second year in New Hampshire, like that summer, like August, is when my family moved back to San Diego. Um, so I actually. I drove the car from Virginia to San Diego because my parents were like, yeah, y'all can drive the cars. We'll fly. And I was like, this is bullshit. I'm the only, I have three younger brothers. I was the only one with a driver's license. Yeah, so you're <laughs> fucked that whole time. Three-day drive. Dude, yeah, I was that, that had to be a wild trip with your brothers. Yeah, it was sick as fuck. I was in, driving a minivan with two bulldogs, couple brothers, and I was like the only brother with a driver's license. So I was like whipping from Virginia. That shit took eleven days, bro. Like Jesus I know people Christ. I mean I know people do it in like four days, but like I was just we were just chilling, like just camping and stuff. But arrived to California and then like yeah, a couple like I didn't even really experience California. I was there for like a few weeks and then I went back to uh, New Hampshire for my second year. And then yeah, like two months in, got expelled and since my family wasn't living in Virginia anymore. I went back to San Diego to start my new life there, but I didn't play any hockey or go to school for like two months. I was like really depressed from getting kicked out of school. And like, I felt like I blew a big opportunity 
and I was just like pretty down on life and I was kind of, and I didn't know anybody in San Diego because right. when I left there, I was like nine years old. So like I didn't you like said before, life. you don't really make friends when you're eight. Yeah, you friends exactly. when you're like a teenager. Yeah, exactly. So like when I came back to San Diego, I kind of just had like no life. I was just like ripping Call of Duty and like starting to experiment with recording music. I was like putting out, I was making some rap songs at that time because I had nothing else to do. And then, I don't know, I just started like missing hockey. And then my parents were like, you need to enroll in school. So like I enrolled in the local high school. And then I like went on the internet and typed in like San Diego hockey. And I found out they had a junior team called the Goals that played in the Western States Hockey League. And it was already like halfway through the season. I didn't really expect much, but I just like fired an email off. And I was like, hey, I'm trying to play. And they, they invited me out for practice. And then after like 10 minutes, they were like, yeah, you're on the team. And then <laughs> I was just like that. I was playing junior hockey in San Diego for like, yeah, 20 games or something. Yeah, it looks like you had 15 games and then 9-9 nine and nine for 18 points. So, yeah, I guess it's probably pretty good they picked you up. <laughs> Yeah, it's not like a super good league. It's really goony. There's a hella goony right. league. The super dub. Shout out to Western States Hockey right. League. So when you started messing with like the rap music and stuff, is that kind of when you thought like, hey, I might just – that's is that kind of when you got the idea of making this whole uh, like Chucky Slick persona online and like YouTube and on social media? Because I feel like – I mean, we'll get into it, I guess, now, but I feel like when you went to the Null, that's when you really popped off in terms of like – people started oh, to know yeah. who you are and shit like that, especially when I think it was when you were in Corpus Christi is when people really started to like get an idea of who you were and shit. So does that kind of all go together? Uh, on the timeline, not really. Like I was putting out like rap mixtapes and albums that if you have them, please send them to me because I don't have shit. <laughs> like, I don't have, that was many computers and many moons ago, but I was like burning CDs and handing them around to my high school out of my backpack for like many years um and i'd probably put out like three mixtapes like at least 30 or 40 songs before i even ever thought about making a hockey song um and then yeah at some point when i ended up playing for new mexico i decided to make a hockey song yeah that's, that was the uh, the junior hockey song right yeah in the yeah. dream and that one's got like like two million views or some shit on YouTube now. <laughs> yeah, it just hit two million like a couple weeks ago, actually. Yeah. So, like we said, like, kind of, do you feel like Corpus Christi is just kind of when you popped off on social media and all that stuff? Because that's when you're like getting in fights and just having a heck, hell of a season there, I think. But yeah. do, you, do you feel like is that kind of when everything started to escalate for you? And then you kind of thought maybe I'll keep fucking just grinding this like YouTube and social media and shit out and kind of build a brand around myself. Yeah, I felt like I actually, that was. Oh, I never really tried to like do that um i was always just playing hockey you know after san diego i wanted to move up a level and i started exploring options out there ended up in the na in fucking new mexico which was like you know as a brand new team in the league like all the other sick teams like they already had all the players and like pretty much all the pretty girls were taken for the dance and then there was new mexico that was just kind of like we'll take anyone and so I kind of showed up there and it just turned out to be like, you know, just a bunch of guys who were like rejected from other teams, which turned out to be like the greatest guys, you know, like that's usually how it works. Kind of bonded. You know, there, there wasn't, there wasn't a lot of like superstar aura around the locker room, like just a bunch of beauties. And uh, yeah, I just kind of showed up there and 
that's when I started like really making a lot of music in my closet. And I did that for like the first year in New Mexico. And we, and we were, uh, someone just got shot or something. I don't know. <laughs> I heard that. I was like, what the fuck on there? Yeah, fuck. But yeah, we were like dead last in the league. And, but I love those guys so much. So I came back the next year. The second year in New Mexico is when I recorded Living the Dream. And I don't know. I just kind of was like, oh, I should write a song about hockey. And I remember like being on like a really long, like 12 hour road trip and, found the right beat and just kind of like started writing a song on the bus and then I just kind of wrote it in a few nights and then started playing it in the locker room for the boys and they were like oh this song's fucking sick we should like make a video and so we like got this little dinky video camera I just made this sick homemade video threw it out there in like April so like towards the end of the season but that shit pretty like pretty much happened overnight I don't think it became like a huge like international thing like in the hockey it didn't blow up entirely in the hockey community till like probably my corpus christi year you're right mm. but immediately like i was seeing crazy shit like i woke up the next morning there's like thirty thousand views or something and i was like what i remember like telling my guys and my team like i would do like terrible things if it even hit like a thousand views right yeah and it just kind of like blew up there and by the end of that season, it was pretty wild. But once it had like that summer to really marinate and kind of go viral and really hit every pocket of the hockey world, that's when I was showing up to Corpus for my final year of juniors. It was like my last year of juniors and the timing with that song. By that point, it was like everyone fucking knew. And that was a fucking year. That yeah, was it, went, it went like viral before going viral was a thing. It felt like. Yeah, it was, it was you know, like I, I, I didn't, like have intentions for it to you know i was just making a fucking song to make a banger for the boys yeah and then we'd like oh let's do a video like all right and put it on youtube didn't even like i didn't even have an instagram or any of this shit at the at this point i had a youtube right. channel but like i wasn't doing youtube to be like a youtuber or make money i was just throwing like videos up there just to watch them and yeah. threw that one on youtube and didn't really expect much didn't i don't know just like there was no intentions other than like putting out a fucking hockey song for the boys and yeah right. it just kind of happened like that yeah so kind of take us through that corpus crispy i mean you said it was a wild year you kind of get there and you've kind of already popped off a bit uh your last year there in the null and like like we said that's kind of the year you popped off on everything it seemed like like the chucky slick there he is he's the guy like at least in the hockey community that was starting to go around so i mean what was the crazy shit that went on that season i mean i believe you, like i said you're fighting a good bit in that league and just take yeah corpus well, crispy the division of the NA South was pretty famous for like many years called like the black and blue division. Um, it was just, if you looked at the stats compared to other divisions in the Nall, like <laughs> other divisions would have like 20 fights the whole season. We, we would have like a hundred, like we were averaging four or five fights a game. It was not abnormal. Like at least once a week, someone like you, I had so many fucking stitches in my face from three seasons in that division, like probably like a hundred stitches, like just, six zips, 10 zips, 10 zips, eight zips, you know, just like, mm -hmm. it was a fucking really violent league. Cause I don't know why 
basically this NA South was a bunch of former CHL professional teams that folded and junior clubs took over and the fan base like didn't really know the difference between junior hockey and pro. So the fans all still showed up to the fucking games and were playing in front of like packed wild Southern people like houses and they would get rowdy. And I think it just encouraged like a lot of like dirty play, but yeah, just like pulling up to Corpus Christi that year was, and they got some of the most fans in the league. I was say, from some of those older videos, it looks like their barn was fucking packed at the time. Oh, dude, on, on like sold-out nights, it was 7,000 fans. And yeah, that, that'll, that'll get you juiced up to get a couple stitches. Oh, fuck yeah. But even on like a dead night, we still had two, two, three thousand, like in the lower bowl. Like we played in a, bowl, like a fucking arena. Um, as a bunch of 20-year-olds, like it juiced us up. And just showing up that year with all the hype from that song was kind of – it was like the perfect storm for having like just an insanely crazy year, but it was like really good and really bad. Like, you know, it was, it was weird, you know, it's like showing up in the locker room to meet all the guys that I had just spent the past two years, like hating them. Like we were right. enemies and then other new guys on the team. And then they all obviously seen the fucking video. So it's just like, Oh yeah, what's up guys. And there's like, Oh, this fucking guy, like, <laughs> what's this guy about, you know, like, and this is a great, really fucking great group of guys. And it was weird for like a week once they got it out of their system. Like, okay, you're the guy that made that song. I was like trying to get the message across. Like, I don't want to be looked at like that guy. I'm here to fucking win a championship. I'm here to block shots. I'm here to, you know, ride for the boys mm -hmm. but if i get yes. the aux in the locker room we're gonna play the being that the banger <laughs> no, never did it never did really it never played it that was my rule that was my rule because i didn't want to be seen as different right man. Like, i feel you right it was, i never felt that in my life um obviously and i never expected for all that shit to happen never planned it and honestly I never really liked the limelight or being the center of attention and all of it happened and i had to welcome it because i had no choice and it was like hard trying to like get the point across like, yo, I don't think I'm better than you guys. I don't think I'm someone like I'm a fucking hockey teammate on your team and I'm here for that. And that only I did that. That's something I did. It happened. Like, don't look at me any fucking differently. I don't want that. Don't play the song in the locker room. Don't make me feel weird. Like put me on Snapchat all the time. Like, Yo, right. whatever. Like, just I just want to be one of the boys. I made that uh -huh. very clear. Like, I had a kind of like a I sat down with the boys, like first day in the locker room, and kind of said something about that. I think. Yeah, like a players' meeting type uh, thing. Just like, yeah, and exact, and yeah, they respected it, and it wasn't until the very end of the season, after we had all played our last junior game, the age outs. They're like, "All right, boys, it's time," and they played the song, and that was pretty cool. Nice. Hell yeah. <clears throat> Did anybody on the ice, like from the other team, ever bring it up to you, like on the every ice? Every game, every Maybe game. About it, yeah. Every fucking game, face-offs. From the fucking very first face-off of the season in Minnesota, I was just like, people would just roll up and be like, "Chucky Slick." Uh, like, did they ever chirp you, like, "Yo, your fucking bars are weak, boy"? Uh, they wouldn't chirp the bars, but like they would just, yeah. I was like unnecessarily chirped a lot that year, just just commenting on whatever equipment or hair or right. like people were definitely trying to like hit me like i was kind of like a a target like target yeah yeah dude i got fucking yard sailed and separated my shoulder in, in minnesota like people were just going after me because like 
You want to be that guy. It's Chuck. They want to be that guy that has a video laying me out. So that kind of, that part kind of sucked, but (laughs) uh, everything else was pretty smooth that year. Like just final year of juniors, a lot of, a lot of good times with the boys. Hell yeah. So after that, it seems like kind of the ice career kind of started to go towards an end. I mean, I believe you went to Sweden after that and did did like years and, or did like a year in Czech. Yeah. I think you did a couple years. Uh, yeah, so after that final year of juniors, obviously, like there's the whole college thing you can explore. And um, I didn't have any like Division One scholarship rides. I had gotten like maybe two calls that season from Division One programs that were like, hey, like we're fucking watching you or whatever, like keep it up or something like that. Like we hope you have a good year, but nothing special. Um, as most guys in the NA, they end up playing D3. Um, but, like, first-line guys in all NA teams back in the day would go to D1. I was always a third-liner. Um, so I was speaking to a couple of D3 schools that, like, for sure wanted me to come there. But the problem with D3 is, man, that costs a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's no scholies for D3 that I'm aware of. So it's like you got to pay whatever the school's tuition is, like thirty grand a year. Like, I'm not paying that. My parents ain't going to pay that. I mean, they probably would if I really wanted to go. But I hated school so much. Like, because of juniors and moving around all the time, I went to, like, four different high schools in four different states. I just hated school. Like, I never had friends at school. And the thought of, like, going back to school, I hated. The thought of my parents, like, breaking their bank account just for me to go to school, like, sounded fucking stupid. Mm-hmm. And my brother, my one of my younger brothers, it was like his dream to play college hockey. So I was like, if I go to this college, like, I don't think my parents would be able to ever afford for both of us. So, like, I can't do this because I don't even really want to go. And then I wasn't really sure, like, what I was going to do if I was going to, like, hang them up and, like, start taking music really seriously. And then one day I just got a phone call from my old assistant coach in New Mexico. And he was like, yo, I'm not a coach anymore. I'm actually a player agent for European North American players. I place players in Europe. I place Europeans in America. Would you be interested in playing in Europe? And I was like, what do you mean? (laughs) You know, I didn't know anything about it. And he was like, you know, like professionally for – or money or whatever. And, you know, I was like, ah, where? And, you know, Sweden. And I was like, I, um, you know, like, you know, it's a lot. So, like, just kind of pack up and to, just yeah. all the way across the world. Yeah, exactly. So, it's, you know, it's, as a 21-year-old kid, it's, like, pretty weird, like, trying to make that commitment. But I didn't have any other choice. It was like, I'm either done with hockey or I take this. So I just said, fuck it. Sent it. Went to Sweden and, you know, turned out being, like, the best time ever. And I was just kind of like, oh, this is great. And uh, I wanted to stay there for, like, 10 years, man. I really loved it in Sweden. Um, I got invited back for the second year. And then sometime over summer, coach stepped down. They had a new coach from Finland. He brought in a bunch of his Finnish players. There's an import rule. So, like, me and all the foreign guys kind of got the boot. Mm. And I just kind of scrambled. Yes. So after that, so was it like right after Sweden? Is that when you came right back? Because it looks like you played what three games in Knoxville or something. <laughs> yeah. <I had> <laughs> like little, just get get a little, get your toes wet real quick, and then fucking. Yeah, I had a little dilly in the SP. Um, three games doesn't look like a lot, but I actually played like 
eight exhibition games. Right. And then I was there for open camp and main camp. I was in Knoxville for like, it felt like almost three months. So like I had all my eggs in the Swedish basket and then August rolled around. I get a phone call saying, Hey, coach is having a kid. He's stepping down. We hired a new coach. All foreign players are out. And it was like fucking August. And I was like, are you serious? Like, okay, whatever. Like I've been here before back against the wall. It's not a big deal. I'll find some shit. And I was like, all right, well, Europe's done because in Europe, things start in August. Mm-hmm. End of August is training camp in Europe or mid-August. So I tried to get on another squad in Europe. And they're like, we're already started. And I was like, fucking hell. And in America, you know, pro doesn't start till like September. So I just started going to like uh, internet and like looking up free agent camps. And I saw Knoxville Ice Bears were having a free agent camp in Tennessee. And I was like, <laughs> fuck it. Let's just see where this whole hockey career thing can fucking take me. This is starting to spin out of control, but I'm starting to like the idea of just at this point, after living abroad one year, I was like, this could be interesting one day. So let's see where it goes. Fuck it. Why not? Because Sweden turned out to be amazing by me just saying, fuck it, why not? So I was like, all right, right, let's go. So I go to free agent camp, which is an absolute joke. It's a moneymaker for those clubs. A bunch of fucking jabronis show up. And, you know, there's a couple good players that can actually play that are at these camps. So, you know, a couple hundred guys show up. They take all their fucking money. And then they only invite, you know, a few players to main camp. In Knoxville, they took two players. They took one defenseman, one forward. They took me and this other defenseman guy. Um... And when we were all waiting in line for the fucking player interviews, like to be like, hey, you're, you're in or you're out. I was the last fucking one they called into the office. The very last guy. And I was like, all right. This, I mean, I already knew waiting in line. I was like, I fucking ripped that camp up. Like, mm-hmm. These guys were dust. Like there was guys that couldn't <laughs> skate. I was like, there's no way I'm not on this team or not getting invited to main camp. I'm the last player to get called after like three hours waiting in line. And I kid you not, I walk into the coach's office. Like a movie, he has like the swiveling chair with his back face to the door. Oh my god! And right when I open the door, I just see his office chair swivel around towards me, and coming out of the speakers, just I'm just living a dream with boys on my team. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, no fucking way! And he was just like, Chucky Slick, what up, my man? And I was like, fucking hell, like. One thing I've done with every team I've played for after juniors is I try to separate myself from that because I don't want to, like, hurt my chances, you know? Right. For any reason, like, I just don't want to be a distraction because at at certain points in juniors, it it became a distraction. We'd be in the locker room. Motherfuckers would be knocking on our locker room. Hey, is Chuck in there? Like, while the coach is in the middle of his speech, like – Anytime we were walking into rinks before games, people coming up to me and shit, like it became a distraction. So I try to, in the, in the pro, especially when money's involved, it's like, I try to just, I would never tell anybody. I would never, I would just try to see how long I could make it until someone calls me out and be like, Hey, you're that guy. <laughs> um, it wasn't kinda, like, it, it wasn't like you were intentionally doing it either. It's just, well, that coach just sounded like he was trying way too fucking hard. Yeah. Just playing it on the background as you're walking in. It's like, dude, settle down here, man. Settle down. Yeah, well, I understand, like, from the other side. It's just like, he's probably like, what the fuck? That's this guy. Like, somehow he knew or found out. And I was just like, oh, fuck it. They know. All right. What's up? <laughs> and, and obviously, he's going to, like, tell the whole team. So, like, I show up to main camp. And, like, 
everyone already knew at that point. They're like, yo, yeah, we heard that shit, blah, blah. I was like, ah, cool, like, I'm here to play hockey. That's it. You know, I'm trying to make the team. Ended up going to main camp, making the team. Uh, signed a three-game contract. After a three-game contract, one day, like, two guys from the ECHL show up in the locker room, and I was like, dude, the minors in the States is so fucking cutthroat. Like, I had so the first five weeks I lived in a hotel, first of all, and then I moved into player housing, and I had new roommates, like, every week, because guys just get fucking traded, cut. It's so crazy how how cutthroat it is. Yeah. And I remember one day, just, like, two ECHL guys showed up in the locker room. I was like, oh, what's up, boys? And they are like, what's up? I was like, what position do you guys play? And they were like, uh, we're wingers. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> you know, like, what are they doing here? I, I had just gone three games without a goal. In exhibition, I did great. And I just was getting my feet wet. They were there, and I was like, fucking hell. And then after practice, coach called me in, in the locker or in his office. He was like, look, we have to free up roster space to let these Coast guys play on the team this weekend. They're going to get called back up after the weekend. We'll put you back on the roster after that. And I was like, I'm looking for a permanent contract. I'm not trying to be on a three-game. Three game. I'm not trying to be a fifth-line practice player. Right. I, I basically let my pride get in the way. And I was like, I, I'm going to be like a solid player for you guys this season. Um but if you're going to take me off the roster, I'm just going to go. Like, I'm not going to be that guy. Like, you're not valuing me, which I was kind of wrong looking back. I just packed my bags and left. And, like, two days later, he was like, hey, are you still in Knoxville? I was like, no, I'm gone. He was like, oh, I would have put you back on the team and signed you. And I was like, fuck. And I was already gone. I ended up just, uh, yeah, I just went home. It was, like, around Christmas time. I just went home for the rest of that year. And then oh, Knoxville won the fucking championship that year. No shit. Wow. Yeah. And the beauty that I Damn. made to make camp with from free agent camp, the guy that I lived in a hotel room with for like five weeks, shout out Bo Driscoll. He won a championship in the SP, the Robertson Cup. Yeah. And I should have stuck with it, but eh, whatever. It was nice to go home for once. So my, my sister, she actually goes to uh, Tennessee. She yeah. Getting- this fucking Knoxville Ice Bears fucking hoodie. Oh yeah, Ice like, Bears. Ice Bears are sick, man. They got a they got a really good thing going down there. Yeah, they, they said they packed barn there. Fuck yeah, they got a fan base. It's like one of those like small kind of big cities, but like they don't have any pro sports. They yeah, only right. have college. They have the college football team. Uh, UT, where Peyton Manning went. Well, did you oh, get any yeah. trouble there running around campus? What? I mean, you're, li- you're pretty much living on campus there. I mean, you get any trouble running around there? I mean, Knoxville, it's uh, not a bad yeah, college I mean, town in terms of the, the talent there. Oh, yeah, the, the, a lot of talent. We would go to, like, we had guys that were playing for the team that were, like, kind of locals or been playing there for many years that had connections. And, like, we went to a few, like, UT parties, a few college parties oh, yeah. and whatnot. It is an amazing little – and I don't know anything about Tennessee. It's a great little town, great barbecue really fun, like, country vibes, and they fucking loved the Ice Bears. We would, like, go into clubs and bars, and the DJ would be like, oh, the Ice Bears are here. And then, like, girls, right. would, just walk, girls would just walk up to you and be like, do you play for the Ice Bears? just <laughs> <laughs> be like, uh, yeah. That's how – so my one buddy we grew up playing with around here, I don't know if you know him or not, Kirby Kinslow, he was a real good roller hockey player. I think he played Mad Dogs for a year or two. But he went to Tennessee – 
And uh, he's like, fuck it, dude. Like, I didn't come here to play hockey. I came to, like, go to college. So he just, instead of joining the ice team, he just joined the roller hockey team. And all the kids were just fucking bums. Literally just took him to a national championship, just scoring, like, 10 goals a game. <laughs> just Wow. But, um, so you probably didn't know it at the time, but would you say that when you just kind of said fuck it and went to um, Knoxville, was that kind of the start of kind of where, where you are now in terms of traveling the world, playing in league, the league, the league? Um... Man, I don't really know where that mentality could be traced back to, man. I could trace it all the way back to, I mean, even as a kid, before I moved to Virginia, my parents moved around San Diego like four times before I was 10 years old. And in Virginia, I lived in Winchester. I lived in Sterling. I lived in Ashburn. I was a very nomadic family before I even left for hockey. I had already lived in six different cities by the time I was like 10 years old and gone to so many different schools and then going to prep school and then playing juniors on a different team in a different state every fucking year before I even reached professional level I'd already lived in like fucking four or five different states and moving around ended up not being a problem for me it just became like part of who I am. I never had a problem adapting. I kind of learned how to be like a chameleon, bro. Like I, feel you. I, could just, I could just slither into any environment and do fine. And um, my mom's side of the family, like all the dudes are like bikers, you know, like biker gang dudes. And the women all kind of like, you know, they're kind of like drifters and very like free spirited. So I think I get that from them. And I've never had a problem and I've really enjoyed um, kind of life on the wild side or whatever you want to call it, like just kind of moving around and constantly changing your world up to keep things exciting. So I think I've always had that in me and haven't really had a problem uh, living like that. Uh, but yeah, I guess I'd say things didn't really kick off for me. Uh, yeah, they probably kicked off for me right around Sweden, Knoxville time. Like, you know, obviously after doing, like moving around the United States is one thing. But once you like introduce a foreign culture to the mix, it really puts things into perspective. And once I arrived to Sweden and experienced that, I think I came home that year and, you know, I was just like, damn, that was awesome. And I, while I was in Knoxville, I remember thinking like, okay, next year I'm going back to Europe because more or less some kind of fire got ignited like in my soul that was just like, I want to get out there and see the world. And that was always one of my dreams as well. I was like traveling and getting out there and, I didn't realize how I think I found a tweet from like 2013 or 12 or 10. And I was like, I'm going to travel everywhere one day, just watch. And like, I was trying to manifest it with a tweet. And I looked back on that and I was like, Holy shit, that came true. I never knew how I was going to do it at that time. But I think once I got that call to go play in Sweden and I realized like, Oh, I never knew I could make money playing hockey. Yeah. Like I'm like, I, you know, like as a California kid, I, I didn't really know much about how the, the business world of hockey works. And I didn't come from like a crazy hockey family that knew how to place me in the right situations to play for the Washington Little Caps. And then once I turned 16, right. they, would send me, they would send me to go play in the OHL. You know, like I didn't know the proper routes. Like I was just a California roller kid. So um, I thought the NHL was like the only way. It was like NHL or bust. And then once I realized like, you know, I'm probably not going to the show. Once I realized you can like play pro in like Europe and stuff and make a living off of it, not like a living, living like, but like, you know, keep your fridge full and go out on the weekend. Yeah. Make enough to keep yourself above water. Yeah. Yeah. My fridge is full. 
I got chocolate, bottles of wine. I go out on the weekends, and when I come home for the off season for two or three months in the summer, I don't have to work. Yeah, uh, but I'm, I'm not out here like fucking buying anything. Like I'm still living like a very simple life. Um, so yeah, at some point around Shreveport and Knoxville is when that whole like just I don't know travel fire was ignited in me, and I kind of just had no hesitation sending it to the Czech Republic. Yeah, and then that check year was your last year of ice, right? Yeah, it was. Um, that was my last year. Yeah. My so why, why the switch to, I guess, full-time roller? It, like, instead of, I, I mean, was it tough? I'm assuming it's tougher to switch from league to league and ice around the world in terms of roller because I feel like there's a lot more roller leagues just kind of everywhere. Is that kind of why you did it? There's a lot more roller leagues. I'm just trying to think like I don't on a worldwide scale you would obviously know a lot better than we would but I'm I'm wondering like why the switch to roller in terms of like going from league to league instead of like trying to stick with ice um yeah well uh there's way more ice hockey leagues in the world first of all Um, in in America obviously we know about the NHL and most American hockey people know about the Swedish elite league the KHL of Russia and you guys are probably aware, you know, there's the Finnish league and there's the Czech Extra Liga. They call it the top league in Czech. Every fucking country in Europe has their NHL, has their mm-hmm. top league. And a lot of these fucking leagues are nasty and people have no idea, especially in the Czech league, like the Extra League. It's called the Extra Liga, the first league in Czech. There's some players in this fucking league that could be like Pasternak in the NHL, but like they don't want to move to America. Yeah. They're in their home country, playing in their hometown, making it's like literally the best job you can have in Czech Republic is being a hockey player. Like they're making tons of money. They don't speak English. There's like I don't want to move to like there's a lot of talent in Europe that people will never see because there's a lot of just hometown guys that just stay in Sweden, stay in Finland, stay in Czech. And then all these pro leagues, they have their own versions of AHL, ECHL, SPHL. Every country has that. There's so many fucking leagues out here. Uh, for ice hockey, for roller hockey, there's 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 just France and Spain and Italy. Um, yeah, I think sure. obviously every country plays it like they have their little beer leagues for roller, but on a level where it's like an official league where you get paid, it's pretty much just Spain and France. They both have like uh, a top league and like a farm league. Uh, well, but in the farm leagues, you can't really get paid. I don't think. I think uh, before you you made it to Spain for roller hockey, didn't you play on an island near Africa or South Africa or something like yeah, that? Yeah. Yeah, so Czech Republic was just a fucking time. Like, that was just a battle. Like, just an absolute battle of, it, of a hockey season. Like, nobody really spoke English. They kind of treated me like a foreigner. Like, in Sweden, they welcomed me with open arms. In Czech Republic, it was more like fucking American. <laughs> um, how's my audio, by the way? Uh, it'll fi- I'm sure it'll fix itself here soon. Yeah, so I don't know, it was kind of a rough year in Czech Republic, and like I never saw the sun. My living situation—I was living in a fucking hotel. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I uh, in juniors I broke my nose a lot and have a deviated septum, and also suffer from crippling seasonal allergies. So I do not. I just want to set the record: I do not have a coke problem. <laughs> I, rub, I rub my nose. I rub my nose every 10 seconds because it fucking itches and I just have a really messed up beak. All right. I have runny noses and all this shit. So that's watching the video. Um, but yeah, so Czech Republic was just an absolute battle. It was a tough balance of a year. Like I was getting scratched all the time and um, 
right around, I didn't know at the time, this was my last year of ice. I didn't really know much about roller overseas. And so I'm, you know, kind of just grinding it, collecting a paycheck at this point in Czech Republic, like depressed, not caring about hockey, doing terrible performance wise. And that's when I got sent down to the, the third league in the Czech Republic. And that's when the whole Gordy Bunnell. All right. Thanks again to Chucky Slick for hopping on part one. Awesome as shit. We got part two coming next week, but it was a two hour interview. We we're going to break it up. So KP thoughts on that first part of the Chucky interview. Yeah. I mean, this is an all time interview. You must listen all that checklist. He's got the best stories. I mean, very interesting hockey career places he's played. I mean, jumping from ice to roller, you're going to get to hear it all. Maybe. Yeah. He, this is probably the best interview we've had. I think, I mean, even though not, not many people know who he is, I don't think, I mean, obviously a lot of the hockey world does, but, um, and a lot of, a lot of people in this area, I guess might know him, especially around our age, but this guy probably has the most insane stories that you'll ever hear. He's uh biz compared to or biz said he was the backpacker of hockey. It's pretty accurate. Yeah. I mean, literally has a story about getting dropped off in the middle of a country that he's never been at, like never been to before. Yeah. To pick up on another team, to get picked up by on another team. I mean, it's, he's got these just crazy ass stories. He's the, and he's one of the best storytellers ever. Like just keeps us like, so like interested like the entire time and we just shot the shit with him for what two yeah, hours I mean, it, he would we just talked i mean just flowed back and forth he's also got some great music we didn't yeah. even really get to mention that yeah we really didn't uh, we didn't talk about it much i mean he's again he had a couple stories about that actually but yeah i mean just, he just he this guy's awesome I, I, everyone needs to listen to this interview. Yeah, like kind of building off what you first said. I, I, he's a popular guy, but I don't think you really understand him or kind of knew of him unless you played hockey. Right. You know what I mean? Because it, yeah. it would circulate through the locker rooms and that type of shit, and that's how you really got a feel for him. But, yeah, awesome as hell. An hour long there. We got a part two coming next week. So let's start to finish this thing up. We got a couple more news and notes to get to. Boys, it looks like Vegas is going to be one of these – uh, hub cities for the NHL postseason. So Sportsnet's Chris Johnson, uh, Vegas looking like a selected T-Mobile Arena. Obviously, uh, John Castellometes from Las Vegas Review Journal, uh, he said that MGM International Resorts is keeping several hotels off the market. The two likely destinations are the Vidara Hotel and Spa in Delano. Neither place I've ever stayed before. Over there, right by T-Mobile Arena, though. But um, yeah, because the NHL so. Interesting note, the NHL obviously wants non-gaming and non-smoking hotels. So I'll start with UAB. Thoughts on Vegas being one of the destinations. Like, I kind of feel like it was kind of obvious. Yeah, I would agree. Um, well, yeah, yeah. Tar- since, ever since Tarek told us it was uh, like that he thinks it was going to be Vegas, it sounded like the best option. I would agree that it was pretty – it was kind of obvious since then. Um, I mean, they have the most – they have the most places for teams to stay at. I mean, they they literally don't eat, like some of those cities. You might have to stick all the teams in one hotel. These this one you can, they can all be on the opposite ends of the strip. You know what I mean? Like, and, yeah, it's Vegas. There's hotels for days there. Yeah. So, I don't, like you said, you you already kind of harped on it. It's it's pr- a pretty easy 
choice to make to, uh, for Vegas. The only thing that we questioned was how many rinks they had around there, which I, what, what was it, three? Yeah, there's a couple around there. I mean, it's been a while since I lived there, but I remember there being a couple. The rink that UNLV plays out of, pretty fucking nice rink in terms of like a practice facility. Uh, KP, Vegas is seeming to be the first one, but they said reports are that the NHL prefers Toronto to be the other hub city, but obviously that depends on Canadian uh, rulings and their laws on coronavirus. It's obviously different than the United States, so what? So that would obviously make Toronto probably the Eastern Conference subsidy and Vegas the Western Conference subsidy. Thoughts on that? Yeah, which kind of sucks because we dominate in Vegas in the postseason. So <laughs> that would have been sick. But, yeah, I mean, Toronto's cool. I mean, either way, I mean, Toronto's probably better ice up there. So if we get to play up there, it might be better off for us. Yeah, I guess that's true. So we'll see what that we'll see what happens there. I you got to think they're at at the latest. They have to tell everybody by what next week, so these teams can start making their arrangements. But I don't know. I guess we'll see. So let's get into this next thing here. Uh, NHL Fan Choice Awards. Capitals kind of racked some shit up. Uh, Oshi, him and Willie won best pregame ritual. Obviously the butt smacks and the crazy shit they do. Anybody got thoughts on that? Uh, I mean, yeah, it's it's hilarious every single time. Um, I mean they're. Isn't that, didn't I say that earlier this season? I was like, dude, I love this team just because of their pregame, like, rituals and shit, their pregame handshakes. Like, this yeah. team was so fun to watch because of all that shit this year. Just Even though they were so bad. Mm-hmm. KP? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that shit's cool. I mean, it's awesome. They got that kind of brotherhood where they can all fuck around with each other. So, we love it, and I, I think that's what makes them pretty good. Yeah, I mean, we retweeted, we retweeted all these or tweeted these out from the NHL, so you can go and look at them there because we can't. It's tough to explain a fucking video or a GIF, but Obi won GIF of the year where there's the kid standing there at warm-ups and his head just kind of pops up in front of the kid. Uh, Caps Might of the Night, that kid, he won the best team video where he talks about his spider and shit like that. You remember that one? Did only Caps fans vote on this shit? Like, why do we win every single award? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> Good question. But most dope importantly, the last fan. one here... Caps pup, captain. He won. He won team dog, best dog in the NHL. Which is dope. Was he one of the first dogs? I don't know if he was no, one of the first, but I was gonna say I think other teams had dogs and stuff, but they just haven't been. I don't know why they haven't been all over social media. I mean, right. I guess because we're not fans, so we don't see him. Maybe we don't follow him. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And speaking of some voting too, Jacob Vrana finishes fourth for Czech Hockey Player of the Year award. Uh, let's see, behind, behind Pasternak, behind the Blackhawks, Dominique Kubelik, and Flyers, Jacob Voracek. Uh, who, who the hell is Kubelik? I don't know. Yeah. Blackhawks, Dominique Vor's Kubelik. Vor's not bad, though. Vor's not bad. No. I mean, especially when Uh-oh. Pasternak got first team on 51 of the 52 uh, the fucking votes. All right, last thing we got here, Brendan Leipzig. The fuck boy that got booted out of DC. Report surfaced. He's in the KHL now. He signed a contract, two-year contract. KHL CSKA Moscow. This was Friday last week. Um, any quick thoughts on Leipzig going to Russia? Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna say good for him. I mean, he he fucked up. He did what he did. Hopefully, he learned his lesson, straightened his act up, go to the KHL. Maybe in a year or two, he might get another shot. So good for him. Maybe. I, are we shocked by it at all? No. Yeah, I was gonna say that's that. It's just a Russian move through and through, just to sign someone who's I, just kind of a piece of shit. Yeah, I feel like it's kind of like an episode of Beyond Scared Straight, 
you know what I mean? Where they send the kids to the fucking juvenile places or the jails and have the inmates like scare shit out. It's like, oh, you want to fuck around and get cup on an NHL team? Go to the KHL and deal with that shit. Yep. Um, so yeah, I, I wasn't shocked by it at all. I thought I thought it was hilarious. I immediately texted you guys. I was like, this this is so funny. I mean, we knew, we knew it was gonna happen. I was gonna say, like, we just we just knew like he wasn't gonna get an NHL job. So. Yeah, for sure. So that's that's all I got. We got a jam-packed episode, guys. Like we said, Chucky Slick Part 2 next week. Uh, KPAB, anything to get us out here on? No, man. I'm just going to be playing poker, trying to win some more money. Bingo, KP. Yeah, that's it. Uh, Me and AB are going down to Georgia this weekend for a little roller hockey tournament. So uh, we'll fill you in next week. I was going to say, we'll we'll be posting. I I kind of forgot about that. You wearing chirping jerseys? No, we couldn't get enough. No, but we'll we'll wear them around like the tournament yeah. shit and take a picture of them and shit. Yeah, we'll do that. We'll post some highlights if you got them. But yeah, that's all we got. So we'll see you all next week.